glad you could join us for episode 105 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, on this fine Friday evening. How are you doing, man? I am great, Dave. In fact, I would dare say I am inspired. Okay. What's inspired you? Well, I watched this episode, and like the very next day, I went to my local pizzeria and filled out a job application to be a pizza delivery guy. So you can deliver the big sausage. Right, the hot sausage. All right. Spicy. All right. I can't remember what they call it, but yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, a line from the film uh from the episode tonight. Uh and tonight we continue our discussion of James Cameron's cyberpunk series Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba and Michael Weatherly in what turns out to be the season's only two part episode, which I really didn't know. I mean, I guess I should have been tipped off that the you know, the title part one and then the last one is part two, but Nonetheless, I got to about the 40-minute mark and thought, uh, I don't know how they're going to wrap this up in two minutes. Yeah, and they didn't. And that's, they how. Did. <laughs> exactly. that's how they, they, they post a little sign that says, to be continued. That's how they wrap it up. Exactly. Uh, well, listen, we'd love to hear from you guys via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com, the website, sci-fi TV rewatch.com or you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab. You can record your own audio clips and the MP3 is an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And hopefully you'll consider joining the Facebook group, sci-fi TV rewatch and join the discussions there. So, um, you know, it's been a lot happening in the sci-fi world for sure. Uh, you know, the new trailer for star Wars for one, which I still haven't seen. I was about to say, have you seen it yet? I was, I was, I keep thinking to post it, but like I just got busy today, so. Um, but it is awesome, man. It's so it's so good. I whooped at the end of it. Cool. Well, you know, and, and speaking of uh, videos, if, if you haven't seen the one that Wayne posted on the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch Facebook group, uh, let me just say: superheroes, Fight Club, Arrow. Really cool. You got to check it out. Yeah, if you Arrow haven't seen and the it. Flash and even uh, the Adam shows up and the, the music was really cool and it was funny. And uh, it's just, you know, it, to me, really that, that clip there kind of catches the soul of the CW, I think. You know, yeah. it's kind of like what, everything that, that to me the CW is about. They make very fresh, funny, exciting, rocking TV, you know, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that maybe, it's not necessarily the most as popular as what's on NBC and ABC and CBS, but to me, it's just they make just great quality, fun, entertaining television. Yeah, and this appeared during iZombie, I guess, like during a commercial break, I guess. Is that what it was? Yep. I, okay. I can't remember which one, maybe like about the halfway point, I think. Okay, and I would certainly suspect it's on YouTube at some point. You know, well, but that's that's like where I found the the one I posted I got from YouTube. So okay, you could All just right, cool. uh, type in uh, superhero fight club on YouTube and it'll come up, or you could just join our, our Facebook group. Uh, join our Facebook group, absolutely. Well, listen, uh, in keeping with uh, the trend that we've done the last few weeks, we're going to take a look at J.C. McKenzie tonight, who plays Reagan Normal Ronald. And he was a regular in the 1995 to 97 series Murder One, playing a character, Arnold Spivak. And, and you know, I'm thinking, that guy, he must have been really young. Uh, he's done a lot of one-offs leading up to Dark Angel. After Dark Angel, he did a lot more one-offs leading up to a series regular role on Hemlock Grove playing Dr. Arnold Spivak. Now, I don't know what the connection. I've never seen either show. Another guy on Hemlock Grove, right? Who, yeah. who was the one last week? Who, who? 
Who are we talking about? Like last week, we talked about someone who's on Hamilton. I, I believe it was Sketch, right? I think so. Yeah, right. But wow, you know, playing I have the same. To go back and watch Hemlock Grove. I can't. I can't afford this right now, Dave. I hear you. But <laughs> playing the same character, I assume certainly the same name yeah. in, in a show twenty years apart. Yeah, well, that would have gone uh, completely. Well, obviously, I, I would not have recognized these guys as I'm watching Hemlock Grove because I hadn't seen Dark Angel yet, right? Yeah. Wow. Good point. And, so. and I would assume they're not like such major characters on Hemlock Grove that watching Dark Angel would be like, hey, that's Dr. Spivak or whatever. Yeah, now he's done a lot of work. I mean, he's got a lot of one-offs. I mean, he's 70-some credits on IMDb. But currently, he's got a role in an as-yet-untitled HBO rock and roll project, and it's just simply described as a New York music executive in the late 70s hustles to make a career out of the city's diverse music scene. So, you know, I looked at the the cast list, and it's rather extensive, and he's in there, so I don't know how much of a part he has, although it does say he's going to appear in at least four episodes, and for most of the people, it just says unknown. So That's good. Yeah, whatever. He seems to to work a lot. Speaking of HBO rock and roll, um, do you know what they're going to run, I think, May 1st, I think? No, it's a documentary about Kurt Cobain. Really? Yeah, it's going to be. I just, I, I didn't even realize they're making this, but in the most recent episode of Rolling Stone, there's this big uh, inter- article. Sorry, with um, his daughter, with Francis Bean Cobain, uh-huh. and uh, and she was, I guess, like kind of like, I guess she's got a big part of the estate now, so she had to sign off on this. I guess she was like executive producer for it. But man, I oh, I can't wait for that to come out. As I. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah, man, that's that's right in the wheelhouse of your era, right? Oh, dude, for sure. Yeah. Nirvana. Yeah. I'm all about Nirvana. Cool. So, all right. Well, listen, we did get some listener feedback this week from Kimmy, who sent us an email and said, "Just wanted to send you guys a little feedback about your Dark Angel podcast. I really enjoy listening to your comments about the show." I've been a Dark Angel fan since it originally aired, and it's refreshing to hear a new point of view in 2015. So happy that people still talk about Dark Angel nowadays and that this 15-year-old show still gets new fans from time to time. Like you said, not everybody knows this great show, even though it was kind of popular with an active fandom the first years. Of course, today it's less active, but they're still hardcore fans. And I know, you know, like for us, I mean, I remember Dark Angel, but I didn't watch it. And I can't tell you why i have no idea i mean it's right up our alley so yeah well I, I neither remember it nor did i watch it but also i know exactly why because you know like that was i had a little baby at the time and so it's kind of busy but you know it's funny dave because uh just over spring break we got together with some of my friends from high school we brought up how they were making a um x-files they're they're doing one more season of X-Files and pretty much all my friends said the same thing. Oh, the X-Files, I hear it's a great show, but it was on Friday nights. We never saw it. <laughs> exactly. We were out on Friday nights back then. So yeah, yeah. I've right. laughed a little bit inside as you know, that's always the thing I say. All right. Now Kimmy goes on and this is something we've talked about. I also wonder why dark angel is not legally available online. I always guessed it was a copyright problem and or Fox has something against dark angel. Yeah. Here, uh, here. I mean, exactly like why it just, it yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, about the title of the episode, Polo Loco. I agree with you. I always thought there was a link with the opening scene and the final scene with Ben Max snaps, both their necks polo for the chicken and Loco referring to Ben, who went a little crazy since he's been out of Manticore. 
which is a good observation, which I didn't pick up at that time. Right. Uh, you said in an earlier episode, though, that the titles were a weak point. Now, I have to disagree. Maybe some titles are or seem obvious, but not all. You'll see later on that titles are getting interesting to figure out or find theories behind them. So oh, mm. I think we're both looking forward to that. Now, uh, did we ever like really poo-poo the titles at any point? Well, I think I did. You probably did. You're the big poo-pooer. I, I, I know, I know. But uh, uh, yeah, I, no, I kind of think that the titles are, are cool. I, I think they're funny. Um, you know, like I said, I, I don't always see how they relate to the actual episode, but I, they're always, you know, funny and clever and witty. Well, so. I mean, early in this, early in the uh, season, you know, just like there were a lot of one word titles, heat, right. which you let us, you know, know about Max's cycle red. When we find out the red series uh, anyway, but uh, uh, they're getting a little better, but yeah. here's, here's something I definitely didn't think about. I, I just, just didn't even notice. She says, about the teeth donated to the Blue Lady back when they were at Manticore. I'm pretty sure right. the teeth come from the young X-Fives. You can see the kid who donates is smiling, and he has a big hole like he's missing a tooth. Oh, I yeah. completely missed that. Right, and that makes perfect sense. It, yeah, yeah, it does make sense. And she closes with, anyway, I really hope you guys will continue with season two of Dark Angel. And, you know, I, as we said, I, I think we'll con- continue at some level certainly not as extensive as we're doing with season one but uh never say never exactly so, right yeah. which actually brings up because that was you know, the name of a bond movie right you ever seen never say never i have not oh it was like sean connery came back like 12 years after playing james bond for the last time like i can't remember what the last one was that he did but when he was finished it he said i'm never going to play james bond ever again and then, like, when we actually went for, like, my 14th birthday, I think, my my mom took a, me and a bunch of my friends to see Never Say Never Again. It was Sean Connery returned to, it was basically the movie Thunderball um, mm-hmm. that they had done again. And, you know, it's Sean Connery's last fling is James Bond. Which then brings me to something else that I thought, with Ben, because I, I was listening to uh, the Stuff You Should Know podcast, and it's a really old one. They're talking about serial killers. And as they're talking about serial killers, I'm like, oh, that Ben. Ben was a serial killer. Yeah. And, like, we never addressed it, but it's you know, obviously obvious, but I never, like, thought of it in those terms that, that that's exactly what it was. He was he was a serial killer, and he displayed all the all, all the signs that, that you're, you know, like, of normal psychopathy of a, of your serial killer that you know it was yeah. cool that, yeah. i mean it's not cool but i'm just saying like it just kind of like dawned on me like and you see like then from him like from a slightly different perspective because especially since it's jensen ackles like i can't really not like ben right i, I still i throughout no matter what he's doing i, I kind of have some sympathy for him but then now I think, oh my God, you're right. He was a serial killer. Maybe my sympathy is a little bit less when I think about it in those terms. So anyway. Yeah. Either way, Kimmy, thanks so much for shooting us that email. And, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys about you know, Dark Angel or, or basically anything, but anything, cer- please. Certainly Dark us. Angel. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get to tonight's episode? And it was episode 21 of season one entitled Meow Part One, written by David Zabel, who did. The episode Cream, which was the fifth episode, he also did episode 10 out. He did the teleplay for episode 11 Red, and he did the story for episode 13 Rising. 
And it was directed by DJ Caruso, who directed the feature film I Am Number Four, which you know made quite a bit of money worldwide. I, I've never seen it, but I've certainly heard of it. Uh, I haven't heard of it. Okay, and this one aired May 15th, 2001. So uh, opening scene, we've got Logan again on a video chat with Sebastian. Still can't get the exoskeleton working. And Sebastian tells him, you know, you're either going to have to wait 12 to 14 weeks for a part to be delivered from Singapore or get this processor yourself. And, And apparently he tells him it's something that's also used to control robotic arms in nuclear reactors and sebastian suggests he get max to steal it for him right he suggests very blatantly hey and sebastian also says how did you get the money do we know how we got the money uh we don't uh i didn't notice any paintings missing but but right. certainly i think that's going to be you know something that will and who knows what he's got i mean you you see how he lives he's got a pretty nice penthouse right there. but like as a writer you have sebastian ask that question then the answer must be significant, right? True. So, yeah. But in this case, he doesn't spend any money. He gets Max to steal it for right. him. Um, and obviously, Max still doesn't know about the exoskeleton. And Logan wants to keep it that way. And, you know, secrets are never a good thing. But in this case, it you know, in the end, it turns out to be okay. Secrets, secrets are no fun. Secrets, yeah. secrets hurt someone. Yep. But uh, obviously, his problem is he's just determined to walk Max stops by as she's been wont to do of late, wants to know if Logan has any food, and he's already concocted his cover story on how he's going to get her to go steal it. And, and he went with the go big or go home type absolutely. philosophy, because that story is crazy. Oh, yeah. He's got this semi-elaborate lie about you know, needing the chip from the armed nuclear warhead to prevent... I forget who he yeah, says. There's some, no semi about it. That is a very elaborate lie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she says she'll do it while munching on an apple, and he tells her he's got a surprise for her later in the week. And did you pick up the vocabulary word she used? She, 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 she says she could use a little mirth in her life. Oh, yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> I thought, oh, very good. That's good. I, yeah, because I caught when he says, "Oh, there'll be there'll be an abundance of mirth." Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, what I love is a scene where we don't know it's a dream, right? And obviously, we don't know Max is being pursued by two soldiers. She disables one, takes the other one back to her room, and starts telling him to undress, and I'm still thinking like. Okay, you know, she's going to, you know, tie him up and that's just going to give her more time to get away or do whatever. And the next thing you know, she gets on top of him, sees Logan's face, hears his voice, which wakes her up from the dream. And she realizes, we realize it's cycle time. She's in heat. Yeah, I actually kind of suspected it already because when she was back at Logan's place, she's like, it's hot. It's like it's hot in here. She takes her jacket off and everything. Which at first I thought uh-huh. was an excuse just you know, for her to take her jacket off. But then I thought, oh, wait, I wonder if she's in heat again. And then, you know, then when she starts telling the guy to undress, I, I didn't think it was a dream, but I thought, oh, well, now she's definitely in heat, right? Um, but then when they turned it to a dream, when they, whenever they do that, when it's something that could be a dream or it could be real, we're not sure, whenever they they throw the big thing in there that shows you it's definitely a dream. It's always kind of funny, right? And all of a sudden, it being Logan who tells her directly, you're dreaming. 
Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, you know, I found it kind of interesting how the writers in this episode kind of parallel Max as being in heat as a result of her feline DNA with her desire and Logan's desire for that matter to get closer to each other and, and you know, and all the problems that that accompany it, you know, even, and even though she denies it to Cindy at every opportunity, we, we know that desire is there. But she also knows instinctively that simply hooking up with this guy or whoever is wrong for her at this point in her life where she does want to take the next step. Right. I think we've talked about this before where, you know, she's not really, I mean, she's a, a sexy, but she's not really sexual, you know, like we haven't seen sure. her except for like, I think the one time really hook up with someone and that didn't work out because the guy passed out. Right. Right. Um, sure. And, and we, we see in this later on this episode that she's, as far as her attitude towards sex is not a kind of laissez-faire attitude. She, you know, when she hooks up with that guy later, she feels really bad. Um, so she kind of has, she's actually quite conservative as far as her sexuality goes, it seems to me. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, the interesting thing we see Cindy wearing braided pigtails. Right. That was funny. And now, obviously, we, the viewers, you know, we know about Max's cycles and going into heat. So, you know, this this explanation that she gives Cindy, I think, is still necessary because it, it you know, lets Cindy know one more thing about her manticore uh, background. And she tells her, if you see me going to the dark side, smack me really hard in the face. That's the only thing that works. And then, of course, Max observes some workmen down in the street and starts verbalizing their attributes and cindy warns her don't make me put the smack down on your ass <laughs> yeah it kind of like i don't know if you remember that like i think it was a a pepsi commercial back in like the 90s was a oh bunch yeah, of office yeah. Girls. yeah actually my wife one of the girls in that my, my wife's cousin is in that commercial actually but oh. uh, um but yeah that, that's what it reminded me of is she's looking out the window at the guys and everything so yeah now the other storyline that's going on in this episode is with uh, Madam X and certainly Lydecker and the conflict between the two of them because we've got secrets going on there as well. And we see her tell Agent Sandoval to keep the stealth drone a secret. Lydecker approaches her, wants to know, you know, why wasn't I told about the executive meeting? And I love her answer because I didn't want you there, Deck. Let's not beat about the bush, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, again, very difficult to feel sympathy for Lydecker, but you know, here we realize that he's really being played on one level, except this is Lydecker. So he suspects he's being played and obviously he comes out on top in the end, but you know, uh, it's clear that she convinced the board to blame him for Tinga's escape, even though they both freely admit that, you know, it was her, it wasn't Lydecker, you know, it was because she wanted everything. Although even that was, uh, part of a bigger plan well and that's kind of the the paradox here of Lydecker is when we see him at first he's this powerful authoritative figure um, but then as the series progresses we realize well he's not the guy in charge at all he's got people he has to answer to and you know now that Madame X is kind of the embodiment of that it, it we we see Lydecker a little bit differently because yeah, now he's and an he's, underling. Right. And he even appears, you know, angry 
and confused, which just, you know, again, plays into that, uh, you know, the, this new story arc that's developing around the Manticore side of the, the uh, episode. But we see Zach has been watching the confrontation from a distance and like, okay, it's usually not good when Zach shows up. Yeah. He's such a downer, man. He's a big wet blanket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just go just go to Washington, Canada, wherever you want to go and you know, leave everybody else to their own devices. They'll they'll take care of themselves. Um all right, so we're at Jam Pony. Cindy tells yeah, Max so grumpy and then he like, you know, was like ah, rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So, we're at Jam Pony. Cindy tells Max, "Just scratch your itch, girl." But Max doesn't want just a hookup as as we said a few minutes ago. She suggests Logan, but you know, as always, Max discounts the possibility. And of course, Cindy's telling her, look, I don't buy that for a second. And then good looking pizza guy bumps into Max who's turned on. Did somebody order a large sausage? And Cindy instinctively steps between the two of them, preventing Max from doing anything stupid. Actually, I think he says they wouldn't order a hot sausage. Yes, exactly. But still, it's the same double entendre, right? All right. Now, uh, I guess we knew this next scene was coming. Uh, Lydecker's debriefing Bryn, and as he tells her, I find it hard to believe that uh, Tinga overpowered you and escaped, right? Because we know Bryn has advanced training, advanced. I don't. I don't know if she's been genetically revved up or, or whatever, but clearly she's got better fighting skills than than the ones that have been on the outside for a while she tells him well the mission parameters changed and clearly he didn't know anything about it tells him sandoval redirected her and she realizes maybe she's made a mistake implicating sandoval but again at this point we're not sure you know what lies are lies what lies you know have a purpose and yeah especially with Bryn, right I mean, she's yeah. like very kind of sketchy at this point Right, but either way, Lydecker at this point puts two and two together and knows Sandoval's working for Madam X and not for him. All right, well, fresh off a cold shower, Max is doing push-ups, and I'm watching, is she really doing those push-ups? It, it sure looked like it, but... but um, did, would she not have been? You mean like they had a body double or something? Well, or well no, 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 I mean, well, you didn't see her, you couldn't see her feet, so who knows? Oh. Either way, but... It seemed like she was actually doing push-ups. No, I thought so, too. Uh, She tells Cindy that she doesn't know how she's going to cope being in the same car with Logan and his scruffy beard and cute little glasses. Knock on the door, and it's, of course, Logan. And and if you notice, Max gives her best come-hither look, takes her hair out of her ponytail. And Cindy tells Logan, pushes him out the door, uh, she'll be along in a second. (laughs) And then tells Max, drop and give me 20. (laughs) Right. Now, is this what, I, I can't remember if if this scene that they were playing the kind of the the hardcore porn music. Uh, I believe they were, and obviously they did that a lot in this episode. Yeah. And and you know, a, a lot of these episodes are just dark and serious from beginning to end. And I liked how this one was a little lighter with this going on. But you know, there were a lot of you know really not laugh out loud scenes but but certainly you know you get a good smile there are a lot of moments of levity yes and this was certainly one of them yeah definitely um all right uh deck i I can call him deck can i sure okay he's not gonna kill me is he as he's a fictional character i think you're okay okay all right so he's meeting with this south african guy 
who wants to start a transgenic program of his own along the lines of Manticore. And, and it seems that these guys know each other. They've met before. They've tried to deal before, but haven't been able to strike any kind of a deal, I guess, that Lydecker wanted to do. Uh, he's got, though, we learn, the neuroimplant technology that's used in the Red Series, but Deck's really not interested. Yeah, until. Yeah, well, right, until he shows him the photo of Max and says, well, you don't want the implant technology. How about her? You want her? Because I can find her. And we find out that their implants contain some sort of alloy that makes it easy to track them. And that's what they're going to do. And all Lydecker has to give up is some early prototype data and, you know, an embryo, right? Well, he bargains for an embryo. I don't think Deck ever actually agrees to that. I thought he did. Did he? Okay. Um, but uh, he tells him, well, I'm not going give to up, give up any current Manticore data, just some of the early stuff. I guess I'm wondering, is this going to be data related to the X2s, you know, the anomalies? I guess whatever it is, it's more than that guy's got. So, Yeah, but, uh, you know, he- the Lydecker is in, not in much of a position to bargain, though, you know? Well, that's true. It also makes you think, though, this guy's already got the Red Series chips and the technology behind that, so that once he gets some Manticore data, I mean, no no telling what kind of Frankenstein yeah, super, monster super he's soldiers, going to. right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but obviously those guys, I mean, they had a very short lifespan, if you recall. So, uh, well, we're back to the mission to steal the chip that uh, Logan needs to make, make the exoskeleton operational. And, and he and Max are in the car scoping out the, the place. And Logan wants to know why the windows are all fogged up. And, and clearly Max can't take her eyes off Logan. And he hears her say, can you make out with me while we wait? And or she hears him say that. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? I say it the other way around. Yeah. Right. He said he hears her say it. But right. Anyway. And, yeah. And then, you know, She's unable to stand it any longer and goes in, even though the guards are still in play. And Logan's like, you know, we're not ready yet, but, you know, it works out. Yeah. And it's really funny how they do those scenes because, like I said, they, they're playing like the, in this case, the the hardcore porn music with, right. the, you know, the big bass and everything. Sure. And then, you know, she looks and like she sees Logan. Like, it, it's, I don't know, maybe... It's a little weird seeing like Logan like licking his lips and things like oh, yeah. that. Oh you know, like he's like uh and then um and then when reality kicks back in you hear like the record scratch sound which I thought was really funny how they did that. Um which just comes crashing back to reality and they're like what, what what what's wrong with you you know like Yeah, well not as weird as who we see licking his lips later on in the episode. Yeah, that was that boy that was disturbing. That's, that's, I can't get that out of my head. I need a piece of sandpaper to get that out of my head. Yeah, yeah. So, well, anyway, she gets inside the nuclear facility looking for that chip that controls the arm that handles the nuclear material. Okay, so she goes in there. She finds a white coat. She finds the helmet. You know, she's got her badge. She's got her uh, radiation detector. Nobody questions her. She gets the chip. Why the hell does she take off the white suit? And run right past the other workers. It's like, did you want to get caught? And or is this just she's not thinking clearly because of being in heat? Well, she hears the guy over saying like there is no inspector today or something like that. And well, I understand that, but it was still she, right, right. But 
I mean, she has to run anyway, I guess. So she figures she might as well. I, I don't know. Well, anyway, she's standing on the ledge. You know, she's out, she's out there. And you see, she looks down and she's thinking like, really? I got to jump into the water. But it's she like, does. really, I got to jump into the water that's probably dripping with nuclear waste. Well, good point. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> that's all I can think about. Like, don't jump in the water. Just let him capture you. Don't, don't jump in there. But maybe part of, part of Manticore is there, kind of immune to uh, nuclear poisoning. I don't know. Well, well, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, but it wouldn't she, surprise me at all. She gets in Logan's car and he asks, did you get it? No, I just won a wet t-shirt contest. Of course I got it, <laughs> which even makes him smile right. as he looks at the chip. Uh, it's a good uh, comeback. It was a good comeback. So then we're back at Jam Pony and I love Cindy's line. So Lady Max made it home with her virtue intact. Actually, there were some good Jamponi scenes this this time. I, I will say. I mean, they were yes, they were quick were. and brief, but right. they were, you know. Uh, and Max tells her, "Just got to make it through the next twenty four hours." But she realizes tonight's the one year anniversary of Max breaking into Logan's apartment, and and uh, you know he's got something planned. Of course, then she bumps into the pizza guy again. And then that's when we come to the most disturbing scene in the entire right, episode. But not before. She's like, normal, I need a personal day. <laughs> yeah, you're right, right. So she goes in to tell him that she needs that personal day. And yeah. he's in there in his wife beater, yeah. cleaning a spot on his shirt. And, of course, Max is eyeing him like a piece of meat. You know, the camera zooms into his muscles. His chest seems to swell a little bit. And the, the lips, licking the lips again. Exactly. Next thing you know, she throws him against the wall and we're thinking like, oh my God, really? <laughs> Cindy comes in, pulls him apart and punches yeah. Max in the face. Classic. Yeah. So we didn't think Cindy was actually going to have to slap her, but she did. Yeah. Yeah. It, I certainly it, didn't think she was. I remember she said, slap me if I go to the dark side. And so this is in Cindy's opinion, going to the dark side, right? Hey, it doesn't get any darker than normal. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, Sandoval comes to Lydecker for a signature. And I think, look, I think we all know once we realize he's got to sign it with a pen, Lydecker's going to switch pens, which he obviously does. We just assume, and rightly so, that Sandoval's leaving with a pen that has either a listening device or a tracking device or both. Which which then begs the question, was that Lydecker's big plan? Was carry around the pen all day in the hopes that Sandoval would come up to him with something to sign? Well, I think he just has it on hand in his desk. I mean, Mm, you know. But uh, he learns that she knows about his dealings with the South Africans and thinks he's desperate to salvage his reputation, I guess, after, uh, you know, losing uh, Tinga. And then he hears her say, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this. And I've gotten my notes. Liar. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And she tells Sandoval that Lydecker's going to need to be contained. It's for the good of Manticore set up the drone and then hands him a photo of Lydecker. I'm like, wow. Okay. Is power player or what? Yeah. Big time, but not so quick. It's Lydecker. Uh, Oh, we know Lydecker's guy. Well, just the fact that we know he's listening into this conversation, then we know that he has power over them because he knows that they're plotting against him. He knows pretty much how they're going to do it. And so, you know, he's got the upper hand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, we find Logan's finally got the exoskeleton working. Seems pretty pleased as he takes his first steps. 
Meanwhile, you know, and again, I love the way they juxtaposed the two characters in this episode. We see Max acting like a junkie trying to kick a habit, ends up calling Logan to cancel their dinner plans. And then she says, I'm going to put 600 cc's of power between my legs. Right. Okay. Uh, how about the, the words she's spelling out in that little uh, Scrabble game they're playing? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. She spelled that hung, prick. Right. And then the best one was you could see, like, she had the P- uh, the E and the I, I believe. And uh, okay. <laughs> we know what word she was about to spell, but of course right. they can't show that one on television. Well, and Cindy wouldn't speak it either. Right. As she says. Um, all right. So we see her on her bike and she's preparing to try to leave sector five while the South Africans are trying to track her via their equipment in a van. Uh, another bike pulls up next to her and it's a guy that, well, he clearly knows her cause he calls her by name. They end up back at his place. She's jumping him in the hallway, and we then see them after the deed. He's asleep, and she's awake looking like she hates herself for what she's done. Yeah, and that's you know, what we talked about before about her you know, kind of conservative streak as far as, as sex goes. You know, um, This is as basic as it gets, as... as um, instinctive i guess as it gets and uh you know and she's she's beating herself up about it. she feels terrible she she hates herself and it's like you know i'm thinking that's it's you know really what she has v- very little control over this well right you know? and, and the byproduct of it is we see her slink back into her apartment heads for the shower to wash away the guilt and self-loathing that she's feeling uh, while we see Logan sitting alone in his apartment looking forlorn at their canceled dinner anniversary celebration. But, you know, to be fair, he, he's canceled on her more than a few times. Sure. Hey, no, no one, I'm not judging Max yep. at all here. You know, it's just, um, you know, right. right. But then just, we see her sobbing in the shower. I mean, right. Oh. Right. Which is, that's, you know, that kills me because like, you know, we're so used to seeing in television and movies and everything, the young people who just go out and hook up without, with no strings attached. And here is a, you know, 20 year old woman who does that. And then she feels terrible about it, which again, I mean, that happens, right? It's not like, this, you know, we can't say that that never happens, but you know, she has every excuse in the world to kind of, be able to kind of blow this off and say it, it was nothing. It was just my heat. Just happens a couple of times a year. No biggie, but no, she really feels terrible about it. And, you know, probably most people would not really condemn her for what she did. Yeah, no question, but she does. Um, right. Well, right. And then even the next morning, Cindy is still trying to console her, you know, about feeling cheap and tawdry and, and, and mentions again, that she knows Max loves Logan and, you know, it's a sign of Cindy that, that we don't see a whole lot. I mean, she's still got her personality, right? She's still original Cindy, but she's really toned it down because Max is in such bad shape. And, and she just and she realizes that it was, it was really a sweet scene on, on her end to try to, you know, tell Max that, you know, you really don't have anything to feel bad about. Right. And, and she's absolutely right. But, you know, Max, again, is, you know, blames herself and feels bad and and even and and, and, you know what even gets deeper you know 
Max starts saying they'd both be better off if we never met. And then the real kicker is that she feels responsible for Logan being in the wheelchair in the first place, which I understand, but it's not her fault. She didn't pull the trigger that shot him. Right. But of course, the person who kind of, if you have a part in the events that happened, then you're going to feel some guilt. Sure. And then Cindy comes back. You're going to have to step to the reel about you and Logan sooner or later, which awesome line. Yeah, you got to uh, read the rest of it, man. Yeah. Or your What's little that? head's going to explode. Yeah. So what do right. I know? I'm just a big old lesbo. <laughs> right. Which is, refer to yourself like that. I'm like, whoa. Like, you know, like, what? That doesn't have to do with anything, Cindy. Come on. But, uh, uh, but yeah, very sweet line. And, you, you know, I mean, we know original Cindy is, is all heart, right? Absolutely. And, and right. I mean, they are sisters, you know, and, and, and the interesting thing, because last week's episode was about the Manticore sisters, yet, I mean, Cindy, as, as much as anybody, has truly been a sister to Max yeah. and vice versa. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Manticore, we're, we're at the secret facility now. Madame X gets a call from Sandoval who tells her Lydecker's coming to meet him about an urgent matter. This girl they're looking for, I'm anxious to bring her in. And we obviously know she's talking about Max, but as she's leaving, we again, now we see Zach observing. Obviously he's got a plan to free Tinka. We know that's why he's there. Lydecker shows up, which puts everybody in the same area. So now we, you know, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen big. That's for sure. He sneaks up on Sandoval as the drone hovers nearby, Lydecker asks, I wonder what this is all about. <laughs> Obviously knowing exactly what this is right. all about. Um, I love his play. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool how he played this. Yeah. I like put I mean, the glasses on too. Just kind of, uh, we'll just make sure the drone doesn't recognize me. Yeah, I'll do the Clark Kent disguise. Yep. Because Lydecker's one step ahead. He's already got the photo with his name, but Sandoval's picture you forget who you work for. And then after he gets shot, consider yourself fired, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. Um, yep. Now, again, awesome continues. Madame X goes to the van thinking she's going to take over the operation, thinking right. Lydecker's dead. But no, you know, he surprises her, lets her know, you know, I know what's going on. And maybe not exactly what she's doing because, you know, he, he still doesn't, know her big plan i mean he still hasn't seen it yet um but he certainly knows she's interested in the x5s and the question what does she want with lydecker's kids well and she tried to kill him too uh, well yeah absolutely. there is well, that well but i mean i assume so she'd have more free reign at getting at his kids right well but you know lydecker as far as you know his distrust of madame x obviously which is immense at this point but you know, um, at, you know, at first is probably this woman just tried to kill me, but now as he demonstrates in this scene where he realizes that she's after the X fives, his kids, and and so now it's like you know he has to, he kicks up to a different level, right? right. Um, now the next scene, Max goes to Logan's, and and this is his litmus test. You know, she tells him that. You know, I broke around, broke in around midnight that first time. So technically, it's still our anniversary. And he seems pleased at that, gets the champagne out. But she tells him she owes him an explanation and starts off. 
and starts, you know, explaining about her cycle. This is something I oh so don't want to talk about. But she tells him the whole truth. She doesn't leave anything out. And and it's as if she, you know, I got to throw it all out there. If he loves me, he loves me after all this. If he doesn't, then, you know. Um, which which this, you know, just plays to or demonstrates the strength of Max's character, right? Yeah. She has no reason she has, she doesn't have to tell Logan anything. Yeah. Right. They're not exclusive. They aren't even dating. They, they haven't even kissed. But, you know, that this is her, her, she can't live with herself unless she tells Logan. And I thought, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And, and again, heartbreaking. I know is a term I use pretty frequently, but that line where she says, you know, I feel like whatever I do, however far I run, I can never get away from them. This this helplessness that she feels, which is ironic because she's anything but in her other life. But, you know, emotionally, she does feel helpless. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to, again, remember, this is a woman who is, she's 20 years old. A lot of her life was spent, you know, like half her life she spent in this, you know, separated from the outer world and having no knowledge of anything out there. And the other half, she's running around on her own, running away from danger all on her own. And so her life experiences, she probably has never really had time for love at all. I mean, this, we know this is like really the first time in her life. She stopped in one place long enough to establish relationships with people. So, yeah, this is all absolutely brand new to her. She's yeah. like a almost like a 15 year old high school freshman or something like just yeah. trying to deal with these things for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Logan gets out of the chair, courtesy of our crazy friend, Phil tells her she's got nothing to be sorry or ashamed for. So obviously he passes the first test, but immediately his electronics go haywire. He falls obviously upset. Right. And- but not before like, we're like, okay, here, this is it. This is the kiss for sure. Well, right. And she kneels down next to him and no, she no, tells no, before him. Before that, before like they're about to kiss when the, the exoskeleton uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then, you know, she kneels down and tells him the same exact thing he told her. You know, you've got nothing to be sorry about or ashamed for. It was never about you being able to walk. And then they kiss finally. And right. We and were, at this point, I think it was the soft porn music was playing this time around. Right. Whereas the the hardcore porn music that was playing for all the other sexually tinged scenes. Right. And he says maybe they should wait until she's herself. And then her line, this isn't Manticore, this is me. And then, are you freaking kidding me? Yep. Really? Oh, Zach, the CB. Man. I tell you, that dude is the wettest of the wet blankets, man. He is just a big bummer wherever he goes. Looks like I caught you at a bad time. But, you know, if you don't want to go save Tinga, I understand you might have something better to do. Yeah, you self-righteous prick. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, that's what like, Logan's thinking. It's like, dude, out of all the people to walk in right now, you are the worst. Oh, my god! I knew you hated that. I'm like, oh, oh. Vince's been waiting for this for 
20 some episodes yeah like, but I, I mean i mean right now i was but i did have my payoff at, at least a little bit so uh well lydecker's still striking out trying to scan for max they're going from sector to sector we learned that sector nine is the high-rise district uh which i guess is where logan right I was, lives. I was like how come they can't just scan you know i guess they need to focus their scan somehow you know they could only do it sector by sector because the one they almost had her in the one sector, but she got through the checkpoint, which I didn't realize Jamponi had so much pull at the checkpoints, right? Yeah, right. That only this is like Jamponi up, oh, going oh, through, going we through. Okay, I don't, I don't need to check your ID, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so in, in my mind, this is very sketchy technology that they're using to track her down. Yeah, well, just saying. I I hear you. Uh, well, Zach's been doing recon suspects that Tinga's being held at this research facility, but clearly he has no idea of the depth of what they're doing to her. Max is en route. Lydecker picks up her signature at that point. So we, so we know everything's coming together. And, and of course, this is about the point where I realize they're not going to tie this one up in the next three minutes. Logan is on comms with her via a Chinese satellite that he's hacked into uh, and forwards to them. Zach and Max get into position. Lydecker's close to deploying his team. Uh, Zach gives Max the handgun, which obviously she balks at taking. And I was a little surprised she took it, of course, until like two seconds later. She just throws it on the ground. But yeah, it was surprising that she took it in the first place. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that was just to basically shut him up and get him going. Right. But Lydecker's team gets there. Zach gets shot in the leg. It almost looked like shot in the kneecap. It's cause he's, so he's hurting. Logan tells Max, get out Lydecker's convoys there. And unfortunately, at that point, she gets in there and she's just literally stunned by what she sees in the tank, which is, of course, Tinga and all of those hoses attached to, you know, multiple points on her body. Um, just devastated. I mean, at yeah. that point, and which, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I really like how they played it because we know what she's looking at because we've seen it already. Right. Right. Yes. So. Yes. Um, so the camera doesn't have to show us what she's looking at. It can just give us completely her reaction. Right. And, and so I thought that was really a very cleverly done how, how they did that. Yeah. And, and maybe not stunned as much, but then Lydecker recognizes the dead guys as Manticore's special ops unit. And he asks, under whose orders is this facility he, being guarded? He's like, WTF, man. <laughs> like, what is this? I come here looking for... You know, for Max, and I'm finding dead Manticore guys on the ground. Like, what's what's going on? Yeah, and then in perhaps the most dramatic scene in the entire episode, Max smashes the enclosure holding Tinga as Lydecker and his men enter the room. And then we see that scene where she's just cradling Tinga's lifeless body in her arms. That, while, you don't know that, Well, uh, okay. IMDB boy. Okay, A- apparently lifeless body in her <laughs> arms. I didn't look. But Lydecker is looking on. (laughs) (laughs) Lydecker's looking on just as horrified at what he sees. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, despite the fact that Lydecker is this cold and calculating guy with his kids, there was some kind of bond between them. And I think seeing Tinga like this reveals another side of him and his relationship. Well, I think we saw it earlier when he's talking to Madame X. And, you know, she's basically, I, I can't remember the line, but. You know, um, oh, she she says, you don't know how important your kids are to me. And he says, no, but I'm beginning to get an idea. And we kind of see Papa Bear there 
starting to come out a little bit. Like he's like, "Oh, now I get it. You really want to use and exploit these kids?" Uh, no. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and, and you wonder whether uh, you know seeing Tinga like this is going to cause him to rethink his commitment to Manticore because it's pretty. You know. Dude, I, I'm, I've got predictions coming up the wazoo, man. Okay. Well, you know, then we get the three words that every TV watcher dreads to be continued. Right. Um, and obviously- right as Fonzie's about to jump over the shark. There you go. All right. Well, okay. So you got a lot of predictions. I mean, look, obviously we're, we're wondering how the Lydecker Madam X confrontation is going to resolve itself. Well, I think, which I, I'm pretty sure you think the same thing from what I'm gathering from you is that you know, Max and Zach are going to team up with Lydecker and they're going to go after Madam X. I do. And, and the reason I think that is because despite the fact that they're at odds over what he's done with the kids, it pales in comparison to what Madam X, X has done. What she's just done to Tenga. And yes. that's, that's, yeah, that's unforgivable. Like, right. and, and, you know, and for both Lydecker and Max. Yeah. Because you know, we've seen Lydecker... He he's protecting them, all even Max chasing after her. You know he doesn't let people kill her. He doesn't want her killed. You know, so right. um, so this is this is should she be dead? Not that I you know. Read well, you anything. already you already called me a liar, and, and <laughs> I, I really didn't look. Is Tinka dead? And if so, I mean, you know, is, again, if so, is dead dead? Well, yeah. Well, more to the point though, if. So, did Max breaking the glass kill her? And is that then something that Max is going to have to deal with in addition to everything else? But there was, you know, back then, back, I'm sorry, back, back a while ago, when Madame X is talking to the, like, the tech guy, and, um, you know, she said something along the lines of, you know, I can't believe, like, or, or how long is this going to take or something like that? And, and he says, well, she's, she's strong. You know, so whatever they're doing to her is is hurting her and possibly killing her, right? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, um, okay. This is this is in my milieu now. Will Logan and Max take their relationship to the next level? And I think on the one hand, it would say you, you, the answer would be, well, of course. Look what they did, but look at now what Max has to deal with having seen tinga in this state and it's almost as you wonder whether it's just going to be too much of a shock and she and logan are going to have to put off furthering their relationship until she can you know get some answers well you know you know why i think that that that's not going to happen that that this is definitely going to negatively affect the relationship between max and logan is the line we have all the time in the world Right. Well, right. true. Yeah. Whenever actually, kiss of death. <laughs> right. Exactly. The kiss of death. And I think just last episode, right? Didn't someone said that to someone sometime in this show? I think. But anyway, I mean, you get it. It's a kiss of death. When they say something like that, it's obviously an ironic statement. No, you don't. This is your one moment, and if you don't take it, it's never going to happen again. So I'm pretty sure that whatever happens next is going to very much negatively affect uh, Max's and Logan's relationship. Yeah. Or she'll just move in with them. Um, <laughs> Which is the same thing, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, you already mentioned, you know, is this the point in which Max and Lydecker team up against Madame X? And uh, I, I'm kind of going in that direction. I, I certainly think that's likely. But uh, so what else? Anything else that I'm forgetting? That, uh, a possibility? You said you got some predictions. 
No, I, when I said I had big predictions, I don't have like a lot of them. It's just like the big one that I think, you know, we're going to see uh, the alliance of, of Lydecker and, um, and Zach and uh, Max. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting. I mean, I, it's funny because, um, you know, I, I think as we've said, uh, uh, we're not going to commit to doing, you know, a full-blown uh, evaluation of each dark angel episode in season two even though we're going to probably watch the show and talk about it from time to time you know on a much smaller scale but i mean it really is exciting i mean you, you think about where the show is looks like it's going to head for season two so yeah you know. the, the, you know again um you know just it's the you know, i i love shows that step it up like this which almost every show does right they step it up in the last couple episodes but not all of them do it very successfully. And I think uh, Dark Angel is doing a really good job of kind of ramping up the intensity, but still not taking it to the the area of like ludicrousness. You know. Anyway, got anything else you want to throw out there about this one? No, um, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Um, just wow. You know, it's like here we are, 21 in, one to go, and – it doesn't seem like that long ago we started this journey. Um, well, yeah, it, I, because we had Lost Girl in the middle of it, you know, it's kind of, it, but you're right, it, it's surprising that we're here already because, yeah. again, I think more of it, not so much, oh, geez, we just started doing this yes, because we've been doing it a while now. Um, yeah. But, but it's this idea of like now you get to the end and uh, the the so many things are happening the last you know four or five episodes and the story arc has been kind of like been just jammed forward so much it's it's uh, it's just kind of crazy. Well, right, and I mean we've got a pretty big cliffhanger in, in this penultimate episode, and what are we going to get next week? So I'm looking forward to it, and I know you are. So yeah. Yep. Well, listen, thanks for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you about Dark Angel or anything else you think we should be watching. We'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the sci-fi TV rewatch website. And we'll be back next week to discuss the Dark Angel season one finale, episode 22, titled And Jesus Brought a Casserole, part two. But until then... Dave, I know you're a big shipper, and I know you're upset about Felicity on Arrow, and all I can say is that, damn, I didn't know your condition was that bad, Dave.